Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Have you ever found yourself repeatedly loaning money to a family member, or bailing a friend out of sticky situations time and again, or helped cover up a partner's drinking problem, and wondered if you were really helping? When a loved one is in crisis, we sometimes enable their self-sabotaging behavior without even realizing it. Hello, and welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Wu. Every week, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today, we'll talk about how to recognize enabling and what to do instead. First, let me tell you a story about my family. When I was a teenager, I heard through the family grapevine that my favorite cousin, a bright and beautiful young woman in her early 20s, got married to a man with an alcohol and gambling problem. He stole her hard-earned money and gambled it all away. He often stumbled home, if he came home at all, blind drunk. My cousin sacrificed her own future for years, paying off his debts, nursing his health problems, shielding him from his own family, trying every which way to help him overcome his addictions. And many people find themselves in similar situations. They're trying to help a loved one make major life changes, and they're failing. I've met people who've done things like trying to help a spouse quit smoking by hiding their cigarettes, trying to get their roommate out of an abusive relationship by secretly sabotaging their dates, or trying to smooth over family relationships by just doing whatever a manipulative parent wants to do. The people caught in these binds tend to be kind and giving, just like my cousin. Their sympathy overflows, and they want so much to help their loved one. They say, if I don't try to help, what will become of them? But what my cousin was doing was not helping her husband. She was enabling him. And she's not alone. A study on people with alcohol dependence and their partners found that the majority of partners engaged in some form of enabling behaviors, such as taking over basic life activities for the alcoholic, lying and covering for them, borrowing money to pay their debts, or threatening to leave but not following through. My cousin's husband never did quit drinking or gambling. At some point, she left him and she's now doing well. Our family has lost the thread of where his story went, but I wonder how things would have gone if they both knew the difference between enabling and helping when they first met. And today's episode is just about this difference, how to tell if you're enabling and how to stop so you can actually start to help. But first, what is enabling and why is it unhelpful? 
There are actually many ways you can enable someone's bad behavior, but it all boils down to things you do that contribute to keeping them in a status quo. Usually, enabling happens accidentally. You were trying hard to help, but after months or years of trying, one day you look up and realize that your college-aged son is still being irresponsible with money, or your partner is still procrastinating getting their career started, or your friends black out drinking again. Here are some examples of enabling behaviors that are often cleverly designed as helping, quote-unquote. Do any of them sound familiar to you? Number one cleaning up after them. I don't just mean literally cleaning up their messes, though I have heard plenty of people complaining of having to pick up their partner's dirty laundry from the floor, despite continuing to do it. Why would their partner learn to clean up after themselves if someone's willing to do it for them? Anyway, cleaning up includes any form of shielding the person from the natural negative consequences of their own behavior. For example, a parent calls their daughter's college professor to argue about her exam grade. A husband lies to his in-laws about his wife's drug problem to protect her from embarrassment. A sibling pays his brother's rent whenever his funds fall short because he regularly gambles his paycheck away. Some of these helping behaviors might be okay if they happened, say, only once and came with other, more concrete forms of help. But if these rescues happen repeatedly, all you're doing is preventing your loved one from learning the cause and effect pattern of their behaviors. They don't get the opportunity to practice important skills, grow from their mistakes, and gain confidence in their own ability to handle tough situations. In fact, research shows that when parents are overprotective, kids are more likely to develop an external locus of control, meaning that they believe their successes and failures depend on things outside of their control. This leads to lower achievement and well-being. Enabling behavior number two, giving them nonspecific help, like money, that doesn't support a well-defined goal. Often, our loved ones with difficulties come to us in a crisis moment. They're about to be evicted. They need bail money. They've been caught cheating again and need a couch to crash on. In these moments, we sometimes reflexively feel like we have to give money or some other form of nonspecific form of bail. But after a time or two, you simply become the ATM or the doghouse or the life raft None of these quick fixes change the root of their problems. They simply give them the false sense of security that there's always more bail if they screw up again. There might be a temporary improvement in their situation, but there's no accountability and no plan to show how that money is going to change their behavior in the future. All right, so we've got cleaning up after them and giving them nonspecific help. How about in the relationship between you and that person? Number three, the third form of enabling behavior is not sticking to your word about boundaries and limits. So the common way that accidental enablers like my cousin try to stop the vicious enabling cycle is to reestablish some boundaries. This is really good. That's exactly on the right track. But the most common mistake is to let those boundaries slip when things get tough for their loved one. 
If you say that you'll no longer loan money to your sister until she has made three agreed-upon monthly payments on previous loans, don't break down after two months. If you say that you will no longer help clean your mother's house until she makes an appointment with a therapist for her hoarding disorder, don't go over and secretly take out some trash. Sticking to your boundaries isn't only for your own sanity. The person you're trying to help will ultimately feel more secure if they can count on you keeping your word even if they initially don't like what you have to say. You're also being a good role model for behaving consistently. Now, sticking to your boundaries is really, really hard to do. And number four is kind of related to this concept too. So the fourth type of enabling behavior is to flip-flop between shaming them and making excuses for them. We're all human. And when someone we care about keeps sabotaging themselves, it's really easy to get frustrated. This frustration can make us do things like guilt-tripping them. A friend of mine told me that, as teenagers, she and her sister used to smoke cigarettes in front of their father to guilt-trip him into quitting. The logic was that he would have to be a hypocrite to keep smoking if he didn't let his daughters do it. And of course, this did not work. Turns out shaming smokers tends to backfire. My friend and her sister stopped this tactic because they saw how sad their father became. So instead, they started making excuses for him when he had a particularly hard day at work, explaining away his smoking as a necessary coping strategy. Needless to say, this did not help him quit either. Neither shaming nor excusing helps a person change their behavior, and, you know, going back and forth between the two is even worse. Okay, so now we know what not to do. We know to not repeatedly and unconditionally clean up their messes. We know to not just give non-specific help like money. We know we have to stick to our boundaries and limits, and we should really not shame, guilt trip, or make excuses for our loved one who's trying to make a change. So what do we do instead? How do we productively help someone make a life change? So first of all, before you start to help someone, I want you to know and acknowledge this for your own well-being. You cannot control another person's behavior, and it is not your job to do so. I found through working with hundreds of patients that you cannot meaningfully help someone until you let go of your own ego. Breathe and gently drop the idea that you should be able to turn someone around. I personally find the serenity prayer a really helpful mantra. Grant to us the serenity of mind to accept that which cannot be changed, courage to change that which can be changed, and wisdom to know one from the other. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Now that you've relinquished control, turn your attention to the person you're trying to help. Start, as always, with empathy. So step one. Provide a non-judgmental space for them to share. You cannot help someone if they're afraid or ashamed to be honest with you. Let go of judgments and radically accept this person. Accepting them does not mean you condone their unhealthy behaviors. It simply means you acknowledge their intrinsic validity as a person. Give them your full attention and give them ample space to talk about their thoughts and emotions. Don't interject with your own opinions and advice yet. You can always disagree with their behaviors later, but there's no reason to disagree with their feelings. People feel how they feel, and you can respect that by trying to emotionally put yourself in their shoes first. All right, now that you've established an empathic rapport with the person, make sure to hold them accountable without shaming or guilt tripping. When the person is ready to change, to get sober, leave a toxic relationship, go back to school, make a monthly budget, you can be ready to keep them accountable if they ask. Notice that I didn't say you should decide for them how you will hold them accountable. This will only set you up as opponents, with you trying to keep goal while they try to get around you. Instead, collaborate on a plan. Let them lead. But offer concrete ideas when it's appropriate, like advice for how to start a budgeting spreadsheet or a link to a local AA chapter. Then encourage them to set goals and ask how you can keep them accountable. It's important to not guilt trip or shame the person if and when they slip. The road to recovery and change is almost never a spotless one. When there's a setback, just go back to step one. Provide a non-judgmental space to talk and offer to help again. And number three is a more fun one. That's where you get to celebrate successes with them. If you help them set realistic incremental milestones right from the start, there will be hopefully many opportunities to celebrate. It's your job to remind them of how hard changes and how proud they should be of even small wins. This is not only positively reinforcing good behaviors, but also strengthens the trust between you two. It gives them permission to feel good about themselves, which is probably not easy for them if they've been struggling with addiction or other unhealthy behaviors for a while. And last but not least, it can make a world of difference to provide reasonable logistical support and attention. So I started out today by listing unhelpful enabling behaviors, such as repeatedly lending money without accountability, with a caveat that sometimes a concrete piece of support could be appropriate. In fact, 
It could even be crucial. Just imagine this. Someone has a huge amount of credit card debt due to some poor decisions they made years ago. They make minimum wage to pay the interest, but can't get a better job without further training, and they get further in debt without better job prospects. It's a vicious cycle. A loan to pay off a portion of this debt could free them up to take supervisor training, for example, so they can get a raise, and this will eventually help them climb themselves out of their financial hole. So if you're able and willing to provide this loan, you certainly can. Your support may make all the difference between them spiraling further and starting to climb out. The difference between this helpful behavior and unhelpful enabling behaviors comes down to a few points. One, is the person willing to work on changing their unhealthy behaviors? Two, is there a well-defined purpose for the loan or for your other form of help that you're offering? Three, is there a reasonable plan or are they willing to make one? for what they will do after they use your support to get past this immediate crisis. Asking these questions and encouraging thoughtfulness around them is not being stingy with your support. It is a very concrete way for you to help. Just make sure to do it without judgment and without being condescending. Your compassion plus your boundaries will make the perfect balance for delivering your help. And you just might be planting that first seed towards their recovery. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at QDTSavvyPsych and at JadeWooPhD. If you'd like psychology tips delivered straight to your inbox, subscribe to the Savvy Psychologist newsletter. You can also subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you again for joining me, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.